Let's get ready to rumble. Yes, we're back. It is episode 79 of the Hibs Ramble. It's your host this evening, Liam, and I'm joined by Sean. How are you, my friend? Good weekend? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Just finished recording my new E17 video, so <laughs> good to go. A half-decent weekend for you, Sean. Eh? Hibs didn't lose and Arsenal won 5-0. Tremendous stuff, eh? Kai Havertz scoring again, moving on to bigger and better things. Uh, it's not not that hard when you move on to the biggest team in London, eh? So yeah, this is it. Well, and talking of moving on to bigger and better things, I'm also joined by Ryan. How are you, mate? Hi, I'm all good, mate. I'm all good. Uh, I'm not going to say too much. Probably just sit on the fence on that one. <laughs> so, uh, did we enjoy the game at the weekend? What whatever we saw of it, uh, Ryan had a confession off air that he fell asleep for half an hour in the in the first half. So. Take his analysis with a pinch of salt, a large pinch of salt. Don't <laughs> so do that things off air, by the way. They're, they're meant to stay off air. <laughs> <laughs> Not here on the ramble. Everything gets aired on the ramble. Not here on the ramble. Listen, we'll air your dirty laundry left, right, and centre. <laughs> We're happy with it. But no, lads, um, let's jump straight in it. Uh, obviously, 2 2 up at Pataudry at the weekend. We spoke about it last week that it's a, a tough, tough place to go, regardless of how Aberdeen are doing this season and where they are in, in the league. Um, I know we're kind of expecting maybe a little bit more, but on reflection, when you look at the whole game, you know, before we kind of dive into the the details of it, it was probably a fair result, a draw in the end, Ryan. Eh? Yeah, in the end, I don't think there was much to pick from the two teams. Um, but listen, on paper, Aberdeen fans are probably probably think they've got a squad as good as ours. I don't know much about their individual players, but they would back themselves. Um, they're a team that have spent money, fairly decent stadium, good attendance, and they've got aspirations to be where, where Hibs want to be as well. So it's always going to be a kind of closely fought contest, especially away to Pataudry, I would say. Mm-hmm. I referenced last week, we've never not had a great record there in the last two, three years. So pre-game, I don't know, I would probably have taken a point rather than a defeat, but it's a bit of a sore one given that we definitely should have had a penalty and could possibly have had an extra goal there. Mm. But on the balance of play, I think yeah, a draw is probably just deserved. Um, some chaotic defending again, which really needs to be looked at in depth. Uh, and maybe not just individual errors as a collective. Yeah. I mean, you look at both of our goals and they come from, well, I mean, I'm putting them both down to, you know, the defence not reacting quickly enough, but... We'll get to that, but Sean, a 4-3-3 again for the third consecutive game. Do you think this is, instead of Monty tinkering now, Jink, this is what we're going to go with? Yeah, but I would just like to go on record and say that I think the Aberdeen attendance is absolutely stinking for a one-club city, uh, and they should be doing better. So <laughs> they have, well, half of them get right up them. A third of um, them support Celtic, a third of them support Rangers, and a third of them support Aberdeen. So. If they're... If they're Anywhere near as big as they all think they are, then surely they would sell out their stadium a wee bit more and have a higher attendance. But hey, whatever. Um, yes, yeah, 4-3-3. 4-3-3. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, we touched on it last week about Monty being able to kind of not necessarily admit what he was doing was wrong, but maybe just kind of tweak in bits and pieces. Um I don't want to harp on about the the quality player. I feel like I've I've done it enough since the January window, so um, I won't go into too much detail about that. I think that has obviously played a part and and helped it. Um, and the more the more minutes we can get these stronger players on the pitch, I think it'll only stand us in good stead. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, he started with a front three of Yuan, Mizian and, and Martin Boyle. I think that that's probably going to be, you know, it's probably going to be our strongest three going forward, which is frustrating, you know, if, especially if you're Dylan Venti, you know, spent all that money in the in the summer and, you know, you're not, not really getting a sniff. Um, didn't even come on on Saturday, Ryan. What you, what's he thinking? Yeah, I did think that was quite a strange decision. You want to you want to go and win the game, and you want somebody to come on and make an impact and be effective. And uh, it was Tavares that was used as the last sub. I was I was really disappointed, and I'm sure he will be as well. Um, I I couldn't give you a valid reason as to why that was the change that he made because my leader is very versatile; can play through the middle or on either side. So you would think the straightforward attacking move would be to bring Venti on through the middle and then move uh, my lead on to one of the sides and that would give you a bit more impact going forward. The only thing that I can I can say as a saving grace for Montgomery is that Venti has rarely finished a 90 minutes. I don't know if it's a case of him carrying a knock for a long period of time or not being fit enough or something along the lines. I don't know. That's the, that's the only thing in the back of my mind that I can think that he might not have played. Yeah, he's not really featured an awful lot for Monty, has he? But <clears throat> I don't know. I, I mean, you look at, you compare him and and Mizian, and they're two completely different strikers. I feel like Venti is a is pigeonholed into that, you know, kind of fox in the box uh, striker. Where I, I think Mizian gives you a little bit more versatility. Um, he can do a wee bit more, a little bit deeper, um, you know. But when we, we, we've seen this season, and I don't think it's really been fair to judge Dylan Venti on the performances that he's been given, considering where he's been asked to play, but. He can't. I don't think he can do that deeper role as effectively as as Mizian can. You know, he he showed, well, you know, with the first goal that it was, uh, you know, his strength is is incredible. It doesn't look like he's he's got that about him. But you know, he held off uh, Gartman, who's, I mean, he's no he's no stick man. So um, he held him off, no bother. Uh, and obviously, a nice ball through for. For Martin Boyle, who rounds the goalie again, second week in the bounce, and uh, I tell you what, Sean, that celebration after the tweet midweek, brilliant, eh? Uh, it's great. I love stuff like that. Obviously, Martin Boyle's known for being a bit of character and a laugh and a joke and stuff. So, obviously, he's getting a bit of a reputation now for for diving. Although there were other players in the park in red that were maybe doing similar to to what Martin Boyle does and gets and away in with green. That. And in green. Um, well, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good to see that he can, he can take stuff like that on the chin and have a laugh about it. Um, obviously, shame that we didn't go on to you know, get the three points, but yeah, great celebration and add it to his collection. He's got, uh, he's got the knack, Ryan, eh, scoring against Aberdeen. He's got it down to a fine art. Seems like, I mean, it's printing money if you bet on him to score against Aberdeen home or away, yeah? Absolutely. He's obviously got an extra kind of bee in his bonnet when he's playing Aberdeen. Do you remember they put in that kind of low-ball bid um, 200 grand or something. A while back. So, yeah, I, I don't think um, he's got any qualms about playing against Aberdeen. He'd probably like to play against them every week. But, um, yeah, Mizian showed great strength and he's quite powerful and he, he's got the technical ability to go away. He's a, he is a really high-class player. And you kind of see with that goal the benefits of the, the two wide men starting wide and being able to attack mm-hmm. that space. Martin Boyle finds himself in acres and he, he rounds the keeper quite well. Um, initially, I thought if he took it first time, that would have been the best way to score. But, Prove me wrong. <laughs> exactly. I, uh, I mean, clearly Martin Boyle thriving out wide rather than through the middle. So it's it's good to see that he's been 
played in the position that he feels that he's most effective and it's paying off for us as well. I mean, I felt like up until the goal, because um, obviously they scored again, they, they scored, sorry, right after. Up until the goal, I don't think there was an awful lot in it. Um, you know, it was a bit kind of scrappy, a bit cagey in the middle of the, middle of the park, but I felt contrary to what Aberdeen TV commentators were saying, because, you know, of course I was watching the game from uh, mainland Europe. Um, you know, they thought that Aberdeen were dominating. I didn't really think that either team properly dominated, but we maybe got the better of the chances. Um, do you agree? Do you think that they kind of had any more better chances? Because I don't think that they had any great chances until, or neither did we until we scored. Any, I thought, any I thought, answer? I thought Ryan was going to jump in there. Nah, I think it, whenever, we go, <laughs> whenever we go um, up to Putaudry, it is those types of games, and I feel like it is kind of a, a very level playing field most of the time. Um, it, it was a, a tough one for us because obviously a lot of our games now we do see as must-wins and trying to find that balance on whether whether we make more attacking changes and maybe sacrifice maybe a man in the middle of the park or change things up a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't really know if I'm honest. I like the changes that, that Monty made quite early on as well, albeit obviously Ellie Yuan going off it and making a wee bit more of an attacking change and uh, bringing Marcondes on as well. Um, so I, I kind of understood at that point why Dylan Venti wasn't used because obviously that was the first first batch and then getting more minutes into um, Alfie's legs towards the end. But... I think the, the positive changes at half time um I think helped us. Um the bits that I heard on the on the radio at the time, obviously BBC Sports Sound are very, very bitter towards anything positive regarding Hibs. So um and Willie Miller was in charge, so naturally it sounded very, very negative in regards to what what <laughs> we were trying to do and what we were doing. But then seeing the highlights back and things like that, it looked like we were we were doing a lot of right things. Um, especially when those changes were made. Obviously, I can only go off of the little snippets that I've either heard on, on the radio or on the, the highlights reel. So, um, nah, all in all, an expected performance, if I'm mm. honest, especially in, in this type of fixture away from home. Um, and like Ryan alluded to already, I, I would have taken a point before the game as well. Yeah, I mean, I think attacking-wise, we were, we're improving game on game. Um from the Celtic game, I, w- I would say we improved uh, from then into Inverness, and I, I feel like we improved from Inverness onto onto Saturday as well. Um, Ryan, the defence maybe needs a little bit of work. <coughs> Jesus Christ, the defence maybe needs a little bit of work. Um, couple of uh, individual errors, maybe a comedy of errors leading to both goals, but you know the, the first one. You're taught from a, an early age, keep it tight right after you've scored. And we didn't do that. A hopeful ball over over the defence who are really slow to react, to come back. And it's a, Ken, what I feel sorry for David Marshall because he pulls off a tremendous save. He can't really tip it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. He can't really go around the post. He can only really put it into that area. And, you know, Triantis flat-footed, can't get there before Devlin and, and Devlin pokes it in. But, you know, if you're Monty, you're sitting on the sidelines, you're pulling your hair out with that. Absolutely. And um, you're absolutely right. 
and that you're you're always at your most vulnerable straight after you score. Um, but we, it's a stupid free kick to give away in the, away over on the sideline. Tranis gets pulled away out onto the the left touchline. He probably shouldn't be away out there. He should probably be passing his man on. Um, but after that, we have two or three opportunities to kind of clear the ball away and we just make a hash of it. And as you say, it's, it is a hopeful ball and Marshall does pull off a great save. There's absolutely no denying that. But I mean, you've just got to stay goal side there. You've got to stay tight to your man and be aware of the second phase, which we're not. Um, and Nicky Devlin falls in and he can't miss from there, really. Um, Marshall's yeah. covering, he can't get it as wide as possible, but he does well to make the save initially, regardless of where he puts it. It's just staying alive to that second phase. So it is really disappointing. But I think it's become kind of apparent that we do miss a leader in there and somebody to take charge and control of those kind of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, Vocalising instructions, um, demanding standards off of players and expectations. You know, Paul Hanlon's been a leader for a number of seasons now as the captain. And I wonder if he would have made a difference in there, just having a voice and even experience of being in situations, you know, that these younger guys haven't been in. We've got quite a young back four based off Saturday. Um, Obita would be the outlier in that, but the rest of them haven't played a, an awful lot of games between the three of them. Um, the games that Obita's played alone outnumbers the, the other three combined by a mm. long distance, probably double. Um, so that for me is it's alarming that the collective doesn't have overly much experience you would be hoping to have somebody right at the heart of that that's kind of demanding and giving out, as I say, giving out the instructions and leading the team from the back. Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't think um, Nectar Triantis is, is that guy, Sean. I mean, I was happy to see him come in, obviously worked with Monty at Central Coast, half-decent pedigree, being at Sunderland in the Championship. Uh, and from what Sunderland fans said about him when he came up the road, they were quite... Surprised that he was going out on loan, um, you know, and they were like, "Oh, I don't think he'll he'll leave permanently." From what I've seen of him, I don't think I'd be in a, in a camp to to say, "Oh, get him get him in permanently in the summer." But <clears throat> I, I'm flip flopping on Triantis. I can't make my mind up about him. Is he is he all right? We an error in him, or is he just not? The, the level of Hibs and the level that we need? I think um, th- there's a lot of raw talent there. I um, think he's really, really good on the ball. Like, he can pick a really uh, good pass, but sometimes he... I noticed this on Saturday. Sorry to cut you off, but I noticed on Saturday that every time he had the ball, even when there was a lever or a null on in the middle of the park, like a 10, 15-yard pass, he was... Getting it wide, he was trying to get it out right to Boyle. He was trying to get it down the left to Yuan, and I'm thinking, just do the do the simple things, man. He might have been getting asked. That might be his instruction, mm. though, because he's got that in his locker to be able to, you know, go for that longer range pass. Um, he's still rel- he's still relatively new in the door, so he'll still be adjusting to what Monty's, albeit Monty's had him before, not at obviously this level. So he'll still be adjusting to the players around him. He'll still be adjusting to, um you know, what Monty's looking to do and what other players around him are, are looking to get out of him. Um, cash your mind back not that long ago, you know, Will Fish was... Um, he was wished away, he was wished away after. Well, he was thrown under the bus as well. So no one wanted to see him ever again in a hip shirt. And then as what Ryan's kind of already touched on, having a, a more natural leader beside him, someone that's been there, done that, especially at the Scottish game, able to coach him through the game and play with him and make him you know, slightly stronger and 
especially his positional sense a little bit stronger as well. And then Will Fishy's, you know, had a big massive upturn in form and we all wanted him permanent and things like that. So I think it's a very, very similar case here with, with Nectar as well, where there's definitely a level of ability in there. Um, the difference is Nectar's been, you know, applied under Montgomery before. So it's a little bit different in regards to, to Will Fish because Will Fish was brought into Hibs and never had never been asked to play with his feet at all. He'd only just been asked to head it and lump it. Whereas Nectar's obviously played um, under Monty before. So it's just a shame that, listen, I don't want to see us to go three at the back, but I want both of It's weird, it's annoying because I think they're both of a similar quality, if I'm honest. I just think Will Fish is more up to speed with the Scottish game and more up to speed of what, how much time he can have on the ball and how much time he's got around them. It's clear with some of the errors and mistakes that Nectar has made, it's because he's thought he's had a little bit more time on the ball. Um, whereas and that is a just, big difference between England ah, and Scottish football. You just don't, you don't get that in Scottish Scottish football. You don't get time on the ball. You get people in your face. You get you get wee annoying rats in and around you very early on and, and throughout the whole 90 minutes. So if Nectar can adjust to that quicker... Um, and just be more positionally aware. Um, I think he'll be all right. But yeah, Will, F- Will Fish isn't the most vocal when he's on the park, and Nectar doesn't, you know, scream that type of player either. So having someone a bit more vocal alongside them probably would help. It's no surprise that Will Fish has played better whenever he's had someone that's been a little bit more vocal beside him. So. No doubt Nectar would probably do the same, but it's just unfortunate that we're probably not going to see that. So to get a little bit more of a higher level of performance out of them, we're just going to have to kind of keep playing them. Um, Rocky might come back in Mm -hmm. because obviously Monty knows what he's getting from him and Monty's, you know, spent more time at Hibs with Rocky. Um, But I can't see Paul Hanlon coming in and playing that often at all between now and the end of the season. Um, and I genuinely think it'll be between Nectar and uh, Rocky, um, and I think he'll probably lean closer to Nectar because he's he's had him for longer, and he probably trusts him a wee bit more and mm-hmm. knows what he can provide. Well, I mean, if we think that we're in a little bit of a a tough spot now with central central defenders, then we're going to be in an even tougher spot um, come the summer, Ryan, because it looks like Paul Hanlon's away. Um, obviously, Will Fish and Nectar will be returning to their parent clubs and. We'll be left with um, we'll be left with Rocky, and what, I'm sure one of the McIntyres is a centre back as well. Sean, is that right? Yeah, you've got Jacob Blaney as well, I believe. Yeah, so we've only really got uh, you know the kids and Rocky. So if we think we're in trouble now, then it's going to need to be a big, big job for whoever's in charge in the summer, Ryan, to bring in those leaders because we've not got them anywhere else in the park. Yeah, absolutely. I think you always need leaders <clears throat> in the central areas of your, of your team, right through your spine. So, centre midfield, we've kind of got that with Joe Newell. Luke Amos has been about the block a bit. Um, and then up front, Dylan Venti, I wouldn't say he's a leader, but yeah, I suppose he could lead by example by scoring goals. So, that would leave the centre-back area um, needing needing leaders. You've got Riley Harbottle coming back as well, but you never had a sniff when he was here. Oh, I remember him. I However, it could, it could kind of be viewed as something positive in that we've got a blank canvas there to really go and identify the profile of player that Nick Montgomery really wants as opposed, mm. as opposed to kind of filling holes over January. Um, it's going to be his first summer window, which is much easier to identify your targets and, 
and chase them. Uh, you've got a lot longer to do it. Um, and there's going to be funds available as well. So I, I would view it as a positive thing, maybe, that we're able to rip it up and start again um, and really bring in the players that the manager um, wants that are, that are able to play his style of football and align with his principles. Um, and as for Paul Hanlon going, it is sad, but it's maybe come to the time where Hibs is a club that you kind of let go of that sentiment a little bit. Um, to be fair, him and Stevenson have taken a lot of slack over the years and specifically the last two or three for a lot of the the failings from management and, and results. So it might be good for them as well to kind of get away and play their football for mm. them, finish their career somewhere and maybe go into a coaching role and enjoy it as opposed to kind of being the fall guys for a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, I think it happens at a lot of different clubs. You know, when someone's been at the club for so long and they've been through good periods and bad periods, they seem to be the constant, you know, who's who's always been there, you know, throughout the bad times and stuff. So, you know, it, it does get it does get stick probably more than is deserved. I think he's still got he's still got a bit to give, yep. even at his yep. age. But um, you know, if he feels that he needs to still be playing football every week uh, for his career, then I think it's probably best for him to move on. Um, yeah. and, I mean, you know, he, he goes with no no hard feelings from me. They're both they're both great professionals. I mean, look how they've kept themselves in shape and. The longevity to stay at the highest level in Scottish football for the amount of years that they have. And listen, it will not be until they've gone that we realise how good they were and that they're legends, yeah. you know, of the club. And they'll be appreciated probably more when they're gone as to what they are now. So absolutely, it'll be a sad day when they both go or, or when one of them goes, but they'll, they'll remain kind of legends at the club in my eyes. Exactly. I mean, Sean, looking for replacements and stuff, I know we're going to have... Uh billionaire Foley's millions to spend in the summer but do you think it would be wise for us to look within uh, the Premiership for a replacement for Paul? Um, selfishly and probably snobbery for me comes into it like I would want better than that um, but when when you look at like how well some other clubs have done in regards to signing um within the league. I think it's probably a possibility, but there isn't anyone that really screams out to me that I think is not necessarily better than what we have, because I think there's a lot of good centre-halves out there, but for where we maybe want to go on a consistent basis, I can't see that off the top of my head. There are very, very good central defenders out there, don't get me wrong, but again, I would just maybe want us to go for a higher calibre player, especially for maybe where Bill Foley is wanting to take us. Do you think, no, maybe it's important to have someone who is already aware of what this league demands, you know, what you're going to get week in, week out, and is a top performer? I mean, for me, you know, Stuart Finlay, left-footed, could uh, could slot right in. Will he want to come and fill a bench, though, if he's not going to be starting, would be my question. Well, I mean, chances are though he probably would if if uh, fish and fish and nectar are away back to. No, but what I'm saying if, if if I got if I got my way and we got a higher calibre player than that, I completely take your point on board, and I would want mm. someone like that in and around the changing room and that understands the the league and and the game up here, and one that can maybe pass on some lovely knowledge to newer players that are coming to the league. But if I'm wanting us to go and challenge for third consistently, which is ultimately what Bill Foley will want, and the Gordons have consistently said that they want, bringing in players from maybe within the league, in my opinion, isn't always the right approach. Bringing two or three in and having two and three 
within your squad, yes. But if you look at around the Premiership at the moment, if you look at the players that are doing well across the whole league, out with Celtic and Rangers, and obviously none of the Hearts players would obviously move to us, or probably none of the Aberdeen players, out, out with that, we can struggle to tell you a player that would maybe start for us at the moment. Obviously, like Stuart Finlay is a, is a good player and stuff like that, but by the time the summer comes and we're recruiting, we're going to be recruiting for a higher calibre player. If you look at the likes say like some of the Kelly boys and that like that are, what was it Danny Armstrong and stuff like that as well, and then you've got the boy Luke McCowan at, at Dundee, they have they were getting screamed about getting signed in January. They're not going to come to Hibs to come and sit on a bench, and I think mm. the players that we have in those positions at the moment are of a higher caliber and a higher quality. So to touch mm. on what Ryan was saying about getting the the summer window right and identifying the correct level of player. I think Monty will do that, and I think we will be able to do that. I don't see any issue, and I'm not saying don't recruit from within your own league because it can work out. You know, if you just need to look at Kevin Nisbet and um, Lorna Shankland as, as a couple of examples, and then you've got some of the defenders that uh, St Johnston had in their cup winning team as well, and like I said, Stuart, fin- uh, Stuart Finlay as well that, that you mentioned. So it is out there, but. These types of players, their clubs will probably be demanding a fee that isn't, you know, doesn't suit their ability mm-hmm. because it's someone else. What they would deem as a European rival or a top six rival coming in for their own player. Yeah, I mean, I, you, I, you don't often see a fee getting chucked about of a high level for you know within the Scottish within the Scottish yeah. game, which is again why I think we would probably end up recruiting elsewhere. I mean, also you look at Stuart Finlay and is Stuart Finlay going to want to swap Champions League football with Kilmarnock? Uh, next season for uh, for no European football abs <laughs> chances are but um nah, we've went on a wee bit of a tangent there but um I'm going to talk about the penalties at the end because I feel like we need um or the not the not penalties the penalty incidents at the end because I feel like we need a prolonged chat about that instead of just a fleeting uh, comment here and there so I want to talk about the second goal and how again. Ryan, it's a total comedy of errors. Um, no, I'm, I feel I feel bad saying, oh, it's Nectar again, but he is part of this goal. Um, and obviously, it's a pinball in the box. I'm, I'm not going to blame him for a failed clearance. I think it's it comes from that quickly. He doesn't really know what what's going on. The ball ends up at Jamie McGrath's feet, and then Fish and uh, Nectar are flat-footed, slow to react again. You know, you'd think that they would have maybe learned from the goal in the first half, but then it feels like McGrath could, you know, go and make himself a cup of tea and still have time to come back and pick his spot. And it's a good finish in the end, but it should never be allowed. He shouldn't be allowed to to have that much time on the ball. If the ball gets to him, fine, but get right out, put your body on the line. If you give away a penalty, you give away a penalty. You cannot be letting that happen. The yeah. top flight of Scottish football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of basic schoolboy stuff within that one phase of play. There's guys turning their back. There's um, there's no touch type marking. There's too much space. There's guys being allowed to take more than one and two touches in the box. So that that for me is really schoolboy kind of stuff. Um, where, I, so I sometimes wonder where is this kind of bodies on the line defending? Where is this desire to get out to the ball and? And make a block or front it up or put your foot in. I or... fought against Celtic, though, I feel. Pardon? 
I feel like we saw it against Celtic. I know, but we can't turn it on and off. It's got to be there every week. And that, mm-hmm. a lot of that can come from own, your own personal pride and your own desire and your own heart to go out there and make a block and make a tackle for your teammates. I mean, sometimes you see it across across Europe where a defender will make a, a kind of goal-saving block or a challenge and you got them celebrate it. Like, that's what sh- defending's all yeah. about. And that's what it should be about. You know, that's why you're wanting these leaders to go and set an example Get their bodies in front of the ball and everybody else that gives them a lift round about you. So it was, that for me was the most disappointing goal at the two to lose because there were so many opportunities to intervene and make a block or, or you know make a tackle, get yourself in the way. There were so many bodies between Jamie McGrath and, and, and the goal. Um, it's inconceivable that he managed to have that many touches and get it in. Yeah, I mean, Sean, we spoke about Jamie McGrath in the summer and you know there was a couple of rumours that he was making his way uh, and he was going to be least bound, but ended up at Aberdeen. We said at the time, oh, don't think he would get into this midfield, but looking at looking back on hindsight, you know, with a, a half of the season, three quarters of the season gone, would you mind uh, Jamie McGrath and Hibs team? It's, it would probably have played in around the same amount of games that Dylan Levitt has, Dylan Levitt has played. Completely um, different player, though, eh? No, I know, but I mean, like, he would have maybe came in on certain occasions and certain games and then he would have dropped out at the point when we had Jago and Newell. And now that we find ourselves with Luke Amos and Mariah Welsh, we probably wouldn't have recruited both of them if we had maybe Jamie in as well. But again, if if it was, that would have depended if it was over Levitt or um, McGrath, depending if it was like one or the other rather than both. Just to touch on the, the defending as well, the thing that frustrated me the most about the defending, and it wasn't just for those goals. It, it was it touches back on the point that we've already touched, uh, that we mentioned earlier on, regarding none of the two taking leadership or taking a commanding role in regards to telling the other where to go and what to do and when to do it. You would find nectar high and wide, or you'd find Will deep and right. There was an instance where Aberdeen got a chance and Will Fish comes out for the centre centre of the park and goes to, like, instead of just bringing it down with his foot or his knee and then controlling it, he goes to header it. And then because he's came so far out the pitch or out of his position, there's a big, huge gap in behind. And then Aberdeen slip a ball in and thankfully Nectar and David Marshall are able to, to kind of deal with it then and there. But that doesn't happen if there's another demanding centre-half next to him telling him when to go and when not to go and they stay in line together and they move up as a two and down as a two. There's obviously instances where you will need to step out and win a ball, but when you do that, you need to make sure that you win it, not make a a, a silly, misjudged header and then mm-hmm. you know allow us to lose the ball. So for me, that was the most frustrating thing at the weekend and it just comes back to the point that the two of them just aren't on the same wavelength at the moment. And they're not communicating well enough between between the two. And it'll come with time. It will come with time. I've, I've seen a lot of... I mean, it sounds like what, what we've spoken about with Nectar, Ryan, so far in this pod that we're that we are writing him off, but it's it's definitely not the case. I just, I think he, he had a, you know, he didn't have a great game at the weekend, but, you know, he could probably be buoyed by the fact that we didn't lose the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, is, there was... a, is there a goal that he, he's not been at fault at since he came in? I can't think of a goal that we've conceded since he's came in that he's not been at the heart of. The Inverness one, maybe? That's a uh, Joe Newell yeah. penalty, but semantics, isn't it? Aye. Yeah. It's, aye. 
I just I feel like people are writing it's already. unfortunate for him that it all seems to be happening against him at the moment. And then he'll put in a couple of good passes and a couple of good challenges and stuff like that. But because, aye, but because he's at the heart of the goals at the moment, whether that be due to just being unlucky or poor defending or poor positioning, it's like I said last week, it's a rough start to his Hibs career and hopefully he can kick on. I think it's just been, it's been, uh, you know, a mix of everything. I don't think he's a bad player. You can see no. that he's that he's got a bit about him. Yeah, yeah, probably going to take a wee bit to adapt to the the Scottish game. Probably would have taken a lot of adapting from Australia to England. Um, Sean, you'll know more about that than than we do. You know, with your A League connections and all the rest of it. But you know, it's it's not a it is a cliche. It's, it's banded about an awful lot, but the game is completely different. Um, and you know, it's it's not very far from Sunderland to Edinburgh, but you know the. The standard is is different. the The pace of the game is different. The you know the tone of the game is is completely different as well. So, you know, no wonder that he's is kind of not hit the ground running if he's not experienced that sort of that sort of game before. And you know, I, I think it will come. I think it will come. Will we will we see it while he's at Hibs? Maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, he's only got until the summer to kind of really make his stamp on the team. So. Listen, listen. For what it's worth, uh, Will Fish hasn't been in great form of late either, and yeah. he's not hit the heights this season as what he did last season. So it's probably not an easy team to come into when the guys round about you aren't hitting the heights that they should be. Um, mm-hmm. Blue Smiller has been all right in patches. I know he's just come back, but you know he, he goes through the motions in games sometimes. Um, he's got his, he's got his strengths like the rest of them, but. I mean, you've got to look at the net, the, the positive swing actor. I mean, he progresses the ball from the back really well. He's quite good in the air. He's got good stature, good technical ability. It's just about blending all that together and getting everything right. Um, and I think that'll come when the back four settles as well. It's been a wee bit choppy changey the last six weeks or so. So maybe this is a start of a more consistent back four, including the goalkeeper, depending on his injury status. But consistency is key when it comes to defending, especially as a unit. Having that understanding yeah. between the four guys... Like Sean was saying there, if the centre-back comes out, your full-back needs to be aware and tuck into that, fill the space. That all needs to happen, like, synchronised. So mm-hmm. you need to play together for a spell for that to Absolutely. I mean, I think for I mean, for now it is definitely plugging gaps, isn't it? You know, from what we needed in January to to what we'll get in the summer. So, you know, can, can we be overly critical of it? Probably not because, you know, they're coming in to do a job and... And they'll, they'll, you know, half half of this team are, are going to be leaving in the, in the summer anyway. You've got, but, you've got to remember as well, Liam, that Kai Rose is very, very iffy for Hearts as well at times. So mm-hmm. uh, it's one thing coming from the A League and coming to Scottish football or English football. I do feel like that's a little bit easier when you're more of an attacking player, um, or maybe even like when you're a centre midfielder. When if you're playing in a four three three, you've got another two bodies to. To bail you out, obviously Hearts chop and change from a four and a three or a five, whatever you want to class it as. But the amount of Hearts fans that I know that write off Kai Rolls after a couple of games and then he plays another good couple of games with, with Frankie Kent and then he's back in favour again. So it's it's not unusual for a, a centre-half from Australia at the moment to not be able to put in a, a consistent level of, of performances. That's like in. a niche that's such yeah. a niche viewpoint. And and that Kyros gets his game for Australia, for uh, the national plate as well. 
And if you watch how he got ragdolled by Kevin Nisbet in one of the last, you know, derbies as well, it's under no sir, I'm under no illusions here. But I do think Triantis could come on to a bit of a game. Um, it's just something to maybe keep in mind as well, like you said, the, the level of performance that he was performing at last season. Didn't play all too many games for Sunderland, maybe two or something like that. And then obviously there's a reason why he's he's up the road and he's and he's on loan. So Yeah, no, a million percent. And you know, if anyone's going to get the best out of him, it's it's going to be Nick Montgomery. But we'll move on from, from Nectar. And just before we, we go on to our second goal, I'll I want to give a special mention to um, Graham Shinney because he is an absolute shit house, an absolute shit house, and he and Lewis Miller were having an absolute time of it on Saturday. Lewis Miller, I feel like he was chucking himself down left, right, and centre. You know, if, if someone breathed on him, he was he was down. But you know, Graham Shinney really, really wasn't liking it. But what I don't understand is how can Graham Shinney get just about to the hour mark and he hadn't even booked. What do you think, Ryan? He was he was a bit. I don't, Graham Shinney seems to be untouchable by referees mm. in Scottish football, and do you know what? I hate him, but I hate him because he's the kind of player I would love to have in my team. Yeah, because he really does kind of influence the game in a way when it comes to decisions. And most players would maybe get one or two fills. He seems to get three, four, five, and and that's sometimes what you want in your your team. You know, somebody that can break up play or get in the ear of the players and kind of get away with it to an extent. It's that leader, that leadership that you're talking about. It's that quality that we're that we're lacking. Absolutely is, and and don't think for a minute that he's not placing demands on his teammates all around about him. Just because maybe we don't hear it or see it, like it absolutely happens. I mean, it's no coincidence that Aberdeen are always a better team when he plays. I know he's reaching the end of his career now, but he's always been a big influence on that team whenever he's played. And it is just that leadership, and he'll do anything to win. You know, any any natural born leader would kick their granny to win a game of football, like. <laughs> Exactly, and you've just messaged there saying Miller was the most full player on the pitch on Saturday. Um, whether whether there were legitimate fouls or not uh, is, but is again, that's really... also a bit of shithousery that you need in your team. You know, Boyle think... for a bit, and and obviously Miller does yeah. as well. But you, you you need to know the dark arts to win a game of football. You no, know, you're never going to win a game of football being nice guys. Absolutely, you know we've seen that with uh, Jamie McGregor. Too nice, far too soft. You know, you've got to really be nasty and be a dick sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I I would just have flashbacks to the semi final. To be honest, with <laughs> Miller chucking his cell about, you know, like swimming pool, and uh, then ending up <laughs> us uh, conceding a goal. But thankfully, we we didn't lose at the weekend, um, and it's because of Emiliano Marcondes. His first goal, Sean for Hibs. Were you chuffed to see him on the score sheet? Delighted. Delighted. Favourite ever Hibs player, hands down. <laughs> so, um, nah, I, I just I just really, really like him, eh? Um, if that's not already came across in every single episode that we've covered since he's been signed. Um, his technical ability, his quality, his, his, as Craig likes to call it, football and IQ. Um, and he's, he'll, he'll, in the games that I've seen, he demands stuff very similar to what Ryan was mentioning there about Shinny. He's putting demands on his teammates and wanting more out of them, and that's because he's wanting to get them up to or close to his level as well. So, yeah, listen, very well taken goal. Don't know what Devlin was doing defending, Jesus but thank, thank God Jonah got in behind. And, um, yeah, it was 
not a question in my mind when I saw the replay that he was onside. So great goal, and hopefully he can kick on and get some more because I've got him in my fantasy team as well. <laughs> well, I, thing is, see with the offside there, right? I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what the what the checks were given for because for me, if um, if the offside would have been given against Jordan Abita, I feel like that's a different phase of play than the one that we score from. Because Obita holds on to it for a wee while and then dinks it through for Joe Newell. So why then wouldn't they talk about that in the same way as Aberdeen's first goal, where Devlin was miles offside? Um, neither, neither goal, I think, should be called offside. I just think that, again, you know, within an hour or so, there's such a lack of consistency of, of what they're looking at. I mean, I thought for the world when I was watching on the telly that Abita was off. Um, thankfully, he was on. It's a really, really nice uh, dink through for Joe Newell. Um, you can see Abita Ryan has grown game by game. He's grown in confidence. He's, he's definitely got that. Uh, I seen him in Sainsbury's at Straight the other day. I said to him, I got in his ear, I said, listen, make sure you make a make a fool of that Nicky Devlin that plays for <laughs> If you can, and he was like, I know Bora Liam, I'll, I'll make sure I do that. Um but no, a great ball and, and Joe Newell again showing his class. Nice pullback and it was an instinctive finish from Emiliano. But did you think that it was going to be called off? Sure, you know, I thought in typical Hibs fashion that it probably would have been pulled back. But I think the game's in real danger at the minute, especially in Scotland. They're becoming so sanitised that we're trying to really find fault in things, which is taken mm-hmm. away from the product. And if we're trying to grow the product, that is counterproductive it's not conducive to what we're trying to do here it's no wonder that attendances are low the sponsorship's probably not as high as it could be tv rights all the rest of it because you know decisions like that are really questionable and it makes you wonder what the fuck is going on sometimes and yeah. i should say it's the real lack in consistency um and, and again see when you when you take it back from the goal to the offside how much time has elapsed like how far back are you going to go before you find the fault yeah exactly I'm sure if you go far enough back you'll find maybe a 50-50 in the middle of the part that could be blown either way. Like There has to surely be a cut-off point within this criteria. This is the phases of the play thing, but then that's then so subjective. Absolutely. Uh, I think when anything's subjective and you leave those guys in charge, it's dangerous. You know, Mm -hmm. there has to be real framework put in place going forward. And I seen Crawford Down came out and said that the the technologies weren't fine and the right decisions are, are being made, but I would strongly disagree with that. I point. think the te- the technology works fine. It's the people it's that are the, working. It's the people that that are uh, pushing the buttons who are who are getting the decisions wrong. And you know, but I was glad. I was glad that the goal wasn't uh, wasn't blown off because it was actually well worked, despite the big defensive error. I don't know what he was playing at there, man. Um, but it was really instinctive from Joe Neal, just no hesitation, pulled it back. And Marcondes is the kind of player that's got that in his locker. Just doesn't yeah. even take stride, just tucks it away. Because um, I'm sure there'd be players that would have hesitated there and the yeah. chance to be gone. So it was um, it was well worth goal. I think maybe give Nicky Devlin the benefit of the doubt. He's maybe not thought that Joe Newell was going to gamble right. and try and get there, but it looks like he's he's trying to kind of body check him, let the ball go over his head and out for a goal kick. But mm-hmm. <laughs> the way, know, the way that goes, he just runs right underneath the ball. I know, I know. That'll be a meme in a couple of years' time, eh? <laughs> I guess. Folks say, fuck it now, where are you going? The shops. Joe Neal does really well to get to the byline considering he's playing centre midfield you know it's a great third man run there um, trying to be creative and make something happen and it does it's probably something we need to see more of now that we have the security of the extra body in the midfield 
Um, he's able to run, run beyond the lines, um, which obviously benefited us on that occasion. Million percent, and it is a good goal. And I think Sean, it's it's shown that there there is definitely a lot of improvement. We said that earlier on. There's there's improvement attacking wise. We just need to see that improvement. You know, go back back towards the defensive part of the pitch because we're we're getting we're getting the front third right at the moment. Yeah, no, we are. Just to touch on the the offside part of it as well in the phases of play. Now I'm. <clears throat> Definitely not qualified enough to be able to even have a fucking FFA definition now, Sean. I can't be honest. So no, that this is this is what I'm getting at. Like even if I was to give you the definition, they're definitely not sticking to it because of the level of inconsistency. Yeah. I'm hazarding, I guess, and it is a complete hazard, I guess, because even if I did know the rules, we know fine well that Scottish referees aren't able to apply the rules in the correct manner at the moment. I think that you, you, well, you mentioned about why would this not have been looked at or the Nicky Devlin one, and I don't know if it was looked at like in Nicky Devlin's phase of play for the Aberdeen goal. My assumption that I would make would be that Jordan Obita has a direct impact to the ball that then gets played in because he's the one that plays the ball to Joe Neal, who then plays the assist, whereas with the Aberdeen goal, Nicky Devlin's on the other side of the pitch. Albeit you know, he's obviously coming back from an offside position, but he's not the one that's actually interacted with that phase of play. Whereas, like prior to the cross, I don't think you can go any further back than the phase before the the phase, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, or the first phase, whatever you want to class mm-hmm. it as. So I can only assume, if you're applying logic to the situation, that that would probably be why, because Jordan Obita's had a direct impact in regards to the next phase of play, and the next phase of play has then been the one that's led to the to the goal. But to touch on what you were actually asking about, yeah, we, we've got bags and bags of ability in, in the attacking in the attacking third now. Um, we can mix it up. Obviously, we're having um, Mizian up top, or Eli Yuan, Martin Boyle, uh, you know, Jair, Venti. Lafondra as well, so real, real attacking threat. Ryan's already alluded to having the extra body in the midfield. We've seen it work with Mariah Welsh against Celtic and Dylan Levitt against Celtic, obviously at the weekend with Joe Newell as well, so it is working in our favour, um, but it, it just comes back to being defensively strong. I think we're the second worst defence in the league, potentially, mm-hmm. maybe the third, I'm unsure. And considering Livy went on like a 17-match winless run, um, as well, it just goes to show that how poor we are defensively and how you know much we leak goals. We've leaked goals, especially from crosses, for years now. Um, and whether that is because we're marking zonally or, or defensively, eh, not defensively, or man-marking defensively, sorry, um, or a mixture of both, whatever it is that we're doing or whether it's because we've not got a big brute at the back you know, demanding stuff off other players, there seems to be a right imbalance in our in our back line and there has been for some time. So it comes back to what you guys were saying. I do think we need to get a level of consistency um, in regards to our back line. Uh, there's no surprise that now that our back five are potentially going to be playing together, hopefully a little bit longer, then I think we'll see a better level of performance from them because they'll be training week in, week out together and then going in and applying that into a match situation. We then obviously then just have a reset in the in the summer as well where we need to go again, but at least we've got the funds to be able to do it this time. Yeah, a million percent. I feel like if we can turn around the defensive side of the of the pitch as quickly as we've turned around the, the attacking side of the pitch, then hopefully we'll be in for a little bit more luck um, 
in the running towards a split. But you know, you were talking about logic there. Just going back to your chat about uh, VAR and the officials and stuff. Logic is something that I think was completely uh, bereft um, <clears throat> of the officials on Saturday. Two glaringly obvious penalty shouts: uh, one for us and one for Aberdeen. We'll talk about our one first because I think when you look at the both of them back, I think our one is the is it's baffling how he's not given it. You can look at the Aberdeen one and think, mm, well, I can kind of half understand, but still think it should be a penalty. But our one, you know, it's a a ball in from the left. I'm not too sure who who it is that that swings the ball in, but Obita. is it Obita? And then the way that Nicky Devlin then. He, he knows that Mizian's behind him. Nicky Devlin then... I think it's moved, Elliot Yuan, but yeah. Oh, is it Yuan? I thought it was Mizian. He moves to the left and like moves his arm out. That's not a natural position. They say that on sports scene, it's not a natural position. The ball bounces off his... just below his elbow. So even if they were doing the t-shirt line, which apparently isn't a rule, it still would be a handball and a penalty. But what angle have they seen Ryan that it's not hit his fucking arm it must be the only angle that nobody else has seen because it, real time it's a penalty slow mm-hmm. down it's a penalty super super slow mo but it's just a penalty and that's that's it I mean he puts his whole body out towards the ball there's somebody directly in between the goalposts behind him stepping onto it like if that isn't denying a goal scoring opportunity then I don't no. know it's you know I, I don't know, again, I don't know how they've come to the conclusion that it's not a penalty, because if you look at some of the penalties we've seen given over the course of the season, the same group of referees, the same association, I mean, you don't need to look that far back to the one that Nectar gave away against St. Mirren. No. I'm pretty sure he had his back to the ball um, and it hit his hand and it was still given as a penalty, whereas on this occasion it's a conscious effort and decision to move his whole body towards the ball and his body language directly after it would suggest to me that he is guilty. On all oh, wow. he looks so guilty. Everybody kind of stops expecting the referee to blow the whistle. That's how obvious it is. I would say you don't even need VAR to call that one a penalty. Like the referee probably had quite a good view of that, to be honest with you, because there wasn't a mass of bodies in the box at that period of time. So I would, I would love it if Hibbs really, really pushed this one, strongly pushed it, wrote to the association, wrote to whoever is relevant in this case, because. The, this can't be happening. We got done by a penalty against St Mirren, if you remember, with Jordan Abita. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. We're on the end of a bad one there. There's been countless other times. So, like, we as a club can't keep the, keep accepting being on the end of these decisions when they're clearly wrong. I think, Sean, you you, you look at some of the, the penalties that have been given, not even just against us, but in general uh, this season, you know, for, for all teams, you know, obviously apart from Rangers. But, um, some of the penalties and some of the criteria that, that they've been saying that, that needs to be met to, to get a penalty is absolutely baffling. You know, the ball comes from 25, 30 yards out from the left flank. There's no one impeding Devlin's view. He sees it all the way, sticks his arm out. I genuinely, can, can you try and walk me through what the criteria is for a handball penalty if that's not it? Well, firstly, I'll, I'll apologise because I've watched the goal back and the reason why I thought it was Eli Yuan in the box is because he closes it down afterwards and causes us to then oh, so right? again. So it is Mizian, it's in the middle of the box. Oh, and then shock, shock about Eli Yuan then goes and win, uh, tries to win the ball back. So when the camera zooms in, I've seen Eli. Anyway, 
every single thing that you guys have already mentioned, and Ryan touched on it earlier on about there maybe needing to be a wider piece of the conversation. And respectfully to Ryan, I completely disagree. Like, I don't think there should be a wider conversation needing to be had. Both of them are penalties, in my opinion. More so ours, but both of them are penalties. We saw um, Alistair Johnson get elbowed or headbutted in the Celtic game in our box, and there was a penalty given for that, obviously because he's a, he's a wee bit late. Um, I think that and the David Marshall one comes into a similar bracket, in my opinion, in regards to if that happened... Obviously, David Marshall isn't going to be handballing outside the box, but a challenge high and a, a collision of heads outside the box. If that happens anywhere else on the pitch, it's a foul. Goalkeepers, you know, thankfully in this instance, it wasn't given for us, but goalkeepers are generally, and I say generally because of what happened to David Marshall at Ross County away last season, are protected where you get fouls or you get away with stuff. The Aberdeen one for me is a penalty. And the hour one... Is it could not be more of a penalty. It fits all the criteria. It ticks all the boxes. Um, I'm unaware of there being another camera on the other side of the pitch at Petodre because I've, I've through watching games at Petodre, I've never seen a camera angle from the other side where we can see the front of his chest. I can only imagine that is the only camera angle that they have used and that they have seen. And it's but even then, like it's so far down the arm, I don't understand. So for me. Like we've went on and on and on about VAR and officiating for God knows how long. Both of them, in my opinion, are penalties, and I agree with what Ryan said wholeheartedly. Taking it as far as as, as possible, because I don't want to sound bitter, but it does always seem to be us that are on the end day weird decisions like these. That the next again day someone gets an even softer penalty than what we were then denied. I mean, and just think about the consistency. The semi-final, the the penalty incidents, penalty shouts, you know, when Boyle goes down in the box, which for me, I wasn't sure at the time. I'm st- I mean, I watch it back now. It doesn't look to me as if it should be a penalty in my eyes, but I think under the rules it is. And then Rangers go and get one the following day at the same stadium. Um, and it's, you know... It's given. Of course it's given without even an on-field review. And I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there was an on-field review for either of the incidents on Saturday. I don't, there definitely wasn't for hours, but I don't think there was. Nah, the ref never went to the monitor for either, either of them. It would, have been, it would have been dealt with. They would have looked at it. And in both instances, they've, they've thought oh, that it's not. You touched on it in the chat, Liam. Potentially, they've realised that they've completely ballsed up after play has then been restarted. I don't know how quickly play was restarted. I was trying to watch it there to see how quickly, once that comes to an end, how quickly the play is restarted. I don't know if the game's maybe restarted too quickly and the ref's not been able to control the game. I don't know. Is it a case of the officials maybe shiting out of making a decision? Um, it shouldn't be a case of one one team should have got one but we didn't give it so let's not give it to the other yeah. we want a level of consistency or we just want the right decisions to be made and unfortunately on far too many occasions for clubs outside the old firm in particular it doesn't seem to happen yeah Ryan was it manslaughter though aye aye I was trying all day I was trying to think uh, like a good alliteration but I could only come up with Marshall manslaughter that was it man <laughs> I couldn't think of another M to put in there but aye, I'm wholehearted fucking GBH, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> we were, I mean, we were singing uh, Neil Warnock's <laughs> praises last week. 
And then he, I fucking he goes on. <laughs> exactly, he goes on and, and slates Hibbs and, and says that uh, David Marshall should be getting done for manslaughter. I'm thinking, how much of that do you think is like sound bites though for him? Like this is oh, this is him. I like, think he's, he's, out, he's up here for a jolly. Yeah. Do you know what he's I mean? Like, he's up here to play golf and, ah, and fuck about. Like, I think he just wants to say funny things in the press, get paid for six months, and then chill for the rest of his days, eh? Like, okay, no, just make sure that he's going to beat him. him in the arse, is it? Because he's not looking for another job. Like, Aye. see with Lee Johnson, like, he's still current in the game looking for jobs. Like, when he was saying stuff, you're like, fuck me. But when it's Neil Warnock, you're like, it's not going to be a boot next season, so it doesn't really matter, does it? Aye, but I tell you what, I, when I heard what he was saying, eh, after the game, I was like, Shut me a fucking prick. <laughs> a fucking old prick. <laughs> but no, I, I, like you said, Sean, I, I really think that both of them are stonewallers. Um, yeah, anybody else on the park, yeah, right. if that's a boot on someone's head or, you know, uh, a boot on someone's knee, even though you get the ball and then you fall through in the man, it's, it's a foul. I don't see why there should be a difference in, in the box, so it's. I think both teams have got a little bit of a grumble with our, um, when it came to Saturday, and I, again, it just underlines the fact that there is absolutely zero consistency. And I'm, it here, is I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what Sean disagreed with me with. I, I, didn't, I didn't know what you meant. You mentioned earlier on that you were going to come on to VAR and it should be a wider discussion and we should leave it to a whole piece and we should discuss it in great detail. I genuinely don't think that we needed to. I think it's just a case that they're both penalties. The refs are shy. They fucked up. It was definitely one of you. I swear it was you, but I wouldn't do that for him, by the way. I'd hit him if I was you, eh? <laughs> can we not have a disagreement, Ryan, or is that not allowed? No, Ryan will fuck off. <laughs> no, 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 we'll fall out and then that's it. But nah, <laughs> I was just trying to figure out the whole time. I was like, what the fuck did I say, man? <laughs> I've got the memory of a goldfish, mate. You'll come to learn that. <laughs> but no, um... <laughs> <laughs> what were you talking about, Sean? <laughs> what? Who are you? <laughs> um... Just moving away from uh, from the game, as we move on to you know rounding up the pod. I mean, I'm having a look here at the table. We're sitting in seventh, 27 points after 25 games. You know we are we're five points off the Dundee in sixth. That seems like an awful long way away. And then up from there, you know it's it's another three points to get to St. Man and another two points on top of that to get to Kilmarnock. I just don't see where we're making these points up from, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an uphill task from here, I would say, and that all starts on Saturday. Dundee's a big game. They're going well at the minute. and I've spoken many times about momentum, and they seem to have it at the minute. Um, yeah. So so that'll be, a, that'll be a tough game in itself. But as for where we're going to pick points up from, that is going to, that is going to be a bigger question because we've got a lot of tough fixtures coming up. Um, a lot of tough away games. We've got a Scottish Cup game sandwiched in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. So we, Saturday, we need to start picking up points as of Saturday. Um, but we've got Ross County twice in that time, once away from home though, which will be difficult going away up there. Um, they've still bring another manager in, haven't they? Uh, I don't actually know. Oh, I because I think Don Kerry is uh, standing at the moment. So, so you would fancy us to beat uh, the teams at home naturally. You, you, your, home form, 
your home form should see you through in, in the tough p- parts of the season. But I think what we need to kind of focus on is just initially getting into that top six and then beating the teams round about us to, to make up that deficit. That would be where I would kind of be looking for the points to be made up. 100%. Um, Sean, I don't know if you had anything to add there before we, we moved on. Yeah, you said at the beginning there, and it was definitely you because you introduced the, the topic of the top six, um, that you can't really see where we're going to make those points up. I'm not quoting you word for word, obviously. I think that is exactly what I said, Sean. So you can completely, I'm quote me I completely disagree <laughs> with that because for what five five points off Dundee, right? And this is obviously going to blow up in my face. Like, why? Of course, would it not? But we beat Dundee at the weekend, hypothetically. That takes it down to two, <laughs> right? Dundee then play Celtic away the week after, and I, I, or the, the fixture after. Albeit, yes, we play Hearts. I know that's a whole different kettle of fish. Dundee then play Killy. If we are also in and amongst it and flying, I, I genuinely at this moment in time, I don't, unless Saint Mirren completely fall off a cliff. The fixtures they've got left are relatively easy in comparison to where the teams are in the league because uh, they've got St. Johnston, County, Aberdeen, Kelly, Motherwell, Hearts and then Celtic. So you'd imagine their top six position would be wrapped up by the time they play Hearts and Celtic in the last two. I do genuinely believe that we could comfortably go above Dundee with the fixtures that we have left and the fixtures that they have left. Obviously, what Ryan said, you, you win your home games and you should be all right. We play Dundee at home. We play Ross County at home, we play Livy at home, we play St Johnston at home. So other than obviously Dundee, the other three are all below us and all teams that are normally struggling for form. We touched on it last week, getting players up to speed and having a better level of calibre player in our squad. If we can get them up to speed and firing, especially attacking-wise, which we've already alluded to, I don't see why we can't not win at least those home games. And you've got Dundee, who obviously, like I've already said, play Celtic away, They've got after they play Kelly, which at that point we're probably not far behind them if we can beat um, Ross County. At that point, if we're not already in and around the same points mark, we're probably above them by one point. They then play Aberdeen and Har- uh, They then play Aberdeen and Rangers, albeit they then play St Johnston and Motherwell. But at that point, we'll either be fighting for top six or fighting for their lives. And then before they go into the top six, they play Aberdeen again. So they've got, in my opinion, a harder round of fixtures with a, a lower calibre player. I know I, I can't really base that off anything because they're actually above us. Um, no, but on paper, they are. Uh, on, 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 on paper, and I, I know it's one on grass and all your cliches, blah, 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 whatever, right? The games that we have left, I genuinely can't see us not beating Ross County twice considering how poor they are in Livy. And then we've got um, St Johnston at home, another team that we should be putting away. Motherwell away last game before the split will be tough, but if we're flying high at that point, um, we're well within our right to go there and expect to, to pick up points. It's just unfortunate that in between these games that I would class as your certs or your or winnable games, you play Hearts away, so that could throw us off. We play Rangers in the Cup. That could throw us off. I think we've got we play, Rangers in the league as well. For we play, that's exactly what I was about to say. We play Rangers away in the league as well. That could also throw us off. The games in and in and around those other ones, I think, are more than winnable, and we definitely have the calibre player to do it. So I definitely think Dundee is more than catchable because they're only five points ahead. I get St Marin because they're eight points, um, and and Kelly are ten. 
But like Brian said, if we can get into the top six and then it's just a case of picking up as much points as we can, we then just play each other. So not only are we playing yeah. most of the teams around we'll us, have to play that, the and we then have to play them again. And they also have to play the old firm and hearts, like you said. So yeah. I think we're well within our right to potentially expect to be able to catch Dundee. I certainly think that we can. I mean, it's got to be our full focus at the moment. Um, you know, five points, it, it feels like a lot at this stage of the season, especially when we're in seventh and chasing sixth. But, you know, it's got to be the full focus. Um, you know, Dundee have been flying this season. I think they've hit a little bit of a, a rough patch, maybe the last five, six games. If they've, they've maybe not won as much as they would expect to. But, you know, hopefully things are turning around a little bit at Hibs and, and we can we can catch them. So, Sean, after that, I, I fully believe that we're going to finish, we're going to finish third. Hey, you done this for Nick Montgomery. You sold them to us, so you've just sold us top six again, mate. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. That I would, I'd weirdly be more concerned with Aberdeen than Dundee, if I'm honest. Getting an above us because I Aberdeen, thought, yeah, I think Aberdeen, Aberdeen are, are don't dark play Hearts or the Old Firm or us. Hmm. So they play Kelly, St Johnston, St Mirren, Dundee, Motherwell, Ross County, Livy, and Dundee. Kelly and so, St Mirren tough games though. Aye, and they're playing Dundee twice. Do you know what I mean? Who is someone that they're going to be fighting with? So ideally, we we need them to be draws more than anything else. Mm. So it sounds a bit baffling when you hear it and if you just look at the table, but when you take it all into context, I'm actually more worried about Aberdeen picking up form. Aberdeen know what it takes to get in the top six. They know what it takes. That's the vast majority of those players done it last year. They know what they need to do to get European football. Dundee mm. could potentially tail off, and I'll certainly be hoping that they do for, for our sake. But in my opinion, um, St Mirren and, at the moment, St Mirren and Kelly are nailed on for top six. It's it's between us, Aberdeen and Dundee, and I, I genuinely believe that Dundee will be the one to call it. Yeah, but I mean, do they have the stamina really in them? But um... Watch us go get pumped 3 now at the weekend by Dundee. <laughs> Uh, we'll move on quickly just before we go into the questions uh, we've not done this in a wee while we've got a quick fantasy football update now we said at the start of the season that there was going to be prizes at the end of the year and we're obviously about three quarters of the way through the season now so we can reveal those prizes so first prize is a 100% discount code um, off anything on hibsramble.com second is 75% third is 50% and fourth and fifth are both getting a 30% discount code. So the teams that make up the top five are uh, Icarumba, Umbachumba FC. I love saying that one. It's always, it's always a mouthful, but it's very, very fun. Um, second at the moment, moving up a place from last week is the Fife Jets, um, overtaking Hybees for Europe, who sit in third at the moment. We've then got Sunny 11 uh, in fourth and rounding off the top five is McGinn and Tonic. And I think that is probably my favourite my favorite name. Icarumba Umba Chumba FC is a brilliant name, but <laughs> McGinn and Tonic, I think, is uh, is my favourite name. So if uh, those are your teams, keep an eye on the league um, and we'll be in touch if, if you finish in the, in the top five with those discount codes for thehibsramble.com. But... To completely round us off, lads, we have got some questions this week. Now it's time to answer the Hib Ramble listener questions. So, uh, of course, we'll start off with John, as always. He is saying, uh, it's not even a question, really. He just says dinner and then bye-bye top six. So, Ryan, <laughs> what's for your dinner? 
Um, my little sister made a homemade lasagna. Beautiful. Ooh. So she always uh, portions a bit up for me. She knows it's my favourite. So that's big what portion? Aye. Great big portion. Massive tub of wear, fill it, and uh, garlic bread on the side. Like. Oh, I think you love to see. I know, I know. Sean, what about you? Chicken tikka masala, lad. Chicken tikka masala. I'll be, having, I'll be having pancakes after this as well. Starving already. Is it pancake Tuesday today? Don't know. No, it was last week. Was it last week? Last week. I'm being informed by uh, by my wife that it was it was last week. By the boss. I mean, no, that we'd can because there wasn't any there wasn't any pancakes in this was. <laughs> um, for me, Megan has uh, has chefed up a a beautiful tomato and bacon and cheese and smoked sausage pasta bake. Very hearty. Um, Although it is cold, so I'm going to need to blitz it in the microwave after uh, after we finish the pod. But I'm I wonder if um, I wonder if John still thinks that top six is bye bye after my uh, weekly Pro- rant. Probably not, mate. Probably not. Um, let us know, John. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please let us know. Next up, Billy is saying uh, VR sucked all the excitement out of both goals. Took bloody ages to check. Uh, leading to 10 minutes added on is VAR worth it? And I think uh, it's going to be a resounding no this week from us. I mean, football was better without VAR. Yeah, you're getting to the right decisions, but but at what cost? At what cost? Aye, no, see the thing is, I, I touched on it earlier, the game's in real danger of becoming very sanitised. I'm a, I'm a big watcher of Gaelic football, which is an Irish sport. It's almost a, a football rugby hybrid. And it's still classed an amateur sport, but taken very seriously. And there's no, there's no VAR, right? And it, the emotions are raw. The decisions are final. It just it makes for such a better product and a more enjoyable a more enjoyable thing to watch. You know, what happens, happens, and that's it. It stays on the pitch. I mean, even the, the Scottish Championship, I mean, Dundee United and Wraith Rovers on Friday night, yeah, exactly. And really good goals in there and proper raw passion. So, what about that tackle? Out? Getting relegated wouldn't it be the worst thing, eh? No, it'd be fun. Listen, we'd be able to take some of your grounds off the list, too. Exactly, exactly. Um, next up, we've got Colin McLennan, and he is saying, <laughs> "Was it really manslaughter, or is Neil Warnock just trying to deflect how shite <laughs> the mutton molesters actually are? Plus, how shite is VAR? No penalty review, but Rangers got two." What do you think about Sean? I've not, seen, I've, not, fair, I've, not, I've not seen either of the um, Rangers too, so I can't comment on that. Neither have I. But I mean, I mean, chances are they were probably a wee bit. I seen um, I seen Levine was having a right moan about it. Like, aye, uh, uh, can you really take from that? Anything? No, that's that's why I didn't really look too much into it. But <laughs> I suppose the more managers that are coming out and kind of saying that this is not this is not working for us. Like the more likely it is to get a revamp or, or a reform of some kind. Yeah, I mean, and there, there's been chat. There's been chat among a lot of the managers. I mean, even I think everyone apart from Philippe Clement has been criticising VAR. The clubs fund it though, don't they? So yeah. can they can they kind of go to them and say, look, we're, we're going to pull the plug on this if there's not if there's not a change and a, fr- a, a definite framework which you have to work in where it's not completely subjective or down to opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that, no, that, that is what happens, you know. 100%. Um, next up, Kevin Wilson saying, top six ain't happening. Season is all but over. Just a matter of time before the manager is sacked. Well, Kevin, I've got two words for you. Cheer up. Um, 
it's not that bad. <laughs> Keith Robertson has <laughs> he's sent in saying what a performance from Marshall and attached um a gif of Mike Tyson hitting Alan from the hangover. <laughs> uh, which is pretty funny. I appreciate that from Keith. Um we've got Gav and he's saying didn't see the game, but the defending looked terrible. Uh, from both sides, but especially from Hibs. Do we drop fish for Rocky? Personally, I wouldn't. Would you? No. I wonder if we're going to see any improvement if we keep dropping and changing. I get yeah. the sentiment behind the argument, but in general, we really need to just stick with five. Um, is Marshall going to be out? What was, the, what was the update on that? I have no idea. I don't think the club have issued an update as of uh, quarter to nine on the 19th of February. He's been good. Obviously, he made, a, he made two or three good saves on Saturday. Mm. But you need to stick with the same five. You need to let them play through one or two little errors uh, and see where it takes us. I tell you what, I mean, you look at how Wallacott played when he came on. It can't be easy to, to come on. Um, you know, he came on at a corner as well. Like It yeah. was all set up for him to chuck the ball into the net for Aberdeen's third goal. But I thought he did all right with what he had to do. I mean, Bojan Majowski, I don't feel like, like he was firing on all cylinders on Saturday by any manner of means. And I think if he was, we, we maybe would have been in real trouble. But um, we, we managed to limit him to, to fairly little and whatever Wallacott had to do when he when he came yeah. on, he, he did. And he did the, the basics well. So I thought he came in a couple of high balls quite well. Eh? Yeah, I think well, maybe well. he listened to last week's pod, Ryan. And uh... it's funny. See when I seen him come on, I was like, oh, "Fuck, we were just talking about him." Um, <laughs> it's funny you say about Miowski. There was a chance at the back post he couldn't quite get in the end of. I thought that mm-hmm. that was for all the world going to end up in the back of the net. But well, you put your hands on it. Yeah. Aye, Wallacott done all right. It's probably the hardest position to come on as a sub. Like, how can you come on at a game as a goalkeeper? Hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's a frantic game when, you, when you're up at Pataudry anyway. Uh, so, I mean, tough, 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 tough one for him to come on to. Mm-hmm. Next up, Ian Russell. And he's asking, why is nobody mention, mentioning Gray's job? He's the defensive coach and we are rank rotten at it. What is he doing all week? Who said he's the defence coach? I have no... Uh, Ian Russell said, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. No, no, he's... but like, is is it is... Is that stated anywhere that that's his official job? I'm just asking the question. I have I not. Know. I thought he was a set pieces manager, to be honest. But I have no use of them either. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just playing ping pong all week with the fucking injured boys. Who knows? Well, Montgomery was a kind of a, a deep lying midfielder, number six slash utility man. You would think that he would have a lot of input in the defensive side of things. So it's probably yeah. a collective effort, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. But it is thoroughly disappointing. To see how leaky we are at the minute. So, Sean, if you were the defensive coach at Easter Road, what would you be doing all week instead of compact five yards between every player? I think he's dead. They're definitely playing the PlayStation or something, you know what I mean? Didn't tell Marvin Bartley that. <laughs> um, and the final question from Twitter is from Albert Street, and he says, I'll take a point, always a hard place to go. But we were cheated yet again by VAR. How that is not a penalty defies logic. And I think that just kind of echoes absolutely everything that we have said this episode, really, to be honest. And um, finally, we've got a question from Nige on Instagram. And he says, not a great game from either side. Defensively, we were poor and Marshall had to make some important saves. 
A point at Pataudry isn't a bad result, but let's be clear, the standard of officiating is criminal and clubs must take a stand with the SFA rather than complaining to the media. Football is overshadowed by the poor, inconsistent decisions each week. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that had that handball happened against the old firm, it would be given. Enough is enough. The people must take a stand. Absolutely. Power to exactly. the people, Nigel. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right, what needs to be said? Exactly what we've said. Um, I mean, how long, How much longer can it realistically go on before before it's uh, you know reformed? Like you say, Ryan, uh, something's got to give. Um, I think as soon as one of the old firm teams complain, then that's when it's going to change, isn't it? That's what I was going uh, to say. You know, when the two loudest voices are fairly happy because they've got a lot going in their favour, there's not much you can do. As soon as one of them becomes unhappy, you'll you'll see something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, difficult one to take though, if you're not one of one of those teams, eh? But listen, it's it's been a, a good pod tonight. I've enjoyed this one, lads. Uh, it's a little bit of a change of pace, knowing that we've not got beaten a league game. But <laughs> it's, it's been uh, it's been quite fun. Thank you so much for joining me. Cheers. Uh, if you want to get in touch with uh, with the podcast, we are at the Hibs Ramble on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, we're on TikTok now. Um, down with the kids on the old TikTok, so uh, you can find us there. We're at the Hibs Ramble on there as well. So um, if you want to get involved with uh, questions or something, we always put out a tweet and an Instagram story after every game, asking for questions and talking points and stuff for the pod. So. If you want to get involved that way, then just fire us a wee message and we will read out your uh, message on the pod. But apart from that, thank you all for listening and uh, we'll see you again next week. Cheers. Bye. Let's get ready to rumble.